guess y'all know I've been sick, huh? Thank you for those of you who prayed for me. Uh, it's hard to believe a year ago, I had a whole nother life. This month, a year ago, God spoke to me. He said, things are fixing to change. And uh, I didn't know I was sick. I knew they were. And uh, one of our goals this year was to come up here and get healed. And... Uh, I didn't know I managed to grow a couple of kidney stones big as marbles. <laughs> I told you yesterday, the other day, it was pretty neat. I said, you know, I said, most times you meet people or get around them for a couple of years, you know, they disappoint you because you're constantly seeing the worst, you know, they keep letting. And I, I, told, I said, this is really neat. I said, because here you've pretty much seen me at my worst right from the get-go. <laughs> so I ought to get better now. <laughs> Come on, man. But uh, I told... Uh, uh, some of what I was going through uh, when we, we came here uh, a couple of months ago, I, I recognized it for what it was and, and began to see the way through it. And, and uh, like I said, I appreciate y'all's patience for putting up with me because it was, it was, we were all getting just beat up. And and I told Eric during this thing that I was I was laid up, couldn't do anything, and I was, it got aggravating. And he got to the point, and I told him, I said, you know what? I said, I finally know what's going on now. This is not about being sick and getting healed. This is about getting stopped. And, it's, and, and what I've got to do in this thing is I've got to hear from God, and there's something he's trying to get me to do and listen to, and when I get that, it's over. And last week, I got it. Amen. And, you know, Jeremiah, I love him because he basically preached two messages in his life. When everything was blowing and going, going great, he was doom and gloom. And when the bottom fell out, he was hoping change. And you know what? Today is the first day of the rest of my life. Amen. I just got my second message. And uh, what I want to tell you is I was, I was laying there in my bed, and I was trying to read and study, and I was, uh, I was looking at this thing of uh, Charles Finney and those lectures on revival, and it dawned on me. I know four things. I know ministry, missions, religion, and revival. That's what I've seen. That's what I've done. And I, it just it became a thing to me. I, was, I know what I'm going to talk about the rest of my life. And, you know, most of y'all don't know this. Three years ago, I was standing in a church over in Shreveport, met a guy I'd never met in my life before. He says, can we pray for you? I said, sure. He began to pray. And he told me that day, he said, you are going to come back to America and teach people to do what you've done. And I'm telling you, I just said, ain't no way. Well, guess what? Through all of this war and this fight and this sickness and all the things that have been going on, I held on to that. I didn't know that guy. I was hoping he was right. And tonight is the beginning of that. I, I called Eric last week. I had one of the other things. I had like three things I want to do all year. And the one I wanted most was go to Peru. And I called him last week, and man, I really felt impressed to not do that. And I, it was against everything in me. And I, I knew, I said, you know what? I don't want to tell him this because I believe it's going to be a setback in our relationship. And I called him, told him, and he said, man, thanks for letting me know. I appreciate it. You want to preach Wednesday night? It just, <laughs> what's the guy do on the phone commercial? And so I want to tell you, right now, I, I'm so, I, I didn't realize that God was trying to set me free because, see, I've always been the fireman. I'd, I'd show up with a plan and put, the, put out the fire. You know, you, there's a problem, there's this. Somebody's stealing something, somebody's committing adultery. You know, it just never ends. You know what? That's not my job anymore. Come on, man. I like it. <laughs> you know, anytime I've ever preached, I've had to call 50 to 60% of the verses I had and 50 to 60% of the things I wanted to say. You know, uh, what Mike got up there and shared, that's one of the ones I threw out. <laughs> what Eric shared, that's one of the ones I threw out. You know, God knows what he's doing. It's going to get in there. And so for, for what I'm going to do now, this is the purpose of the rest of my life. I look at all of y'all as ministry trainees. I don't care what you think of yourself. And I'm going to start right now sharing some stuff with you and you know I got a letter right here uh, we just got today got a letter right here 
pastor, been in ministry for 30 something years. His church can't support him. He's got to go to work. He can't support a full time minister. And I think, you know, what seems to be going on in the entire kingdom of God, look, it's obvious the economy's going down, money's getting tight. The church does not have the overhead to run with the staff it has in the last 40 years. And I believe what we're seeing happen is we're going to see God using people like those guys in the Bible that were fishermen and tax collectors. and They had a day job. And for a few years, some of them did other little things, but God used And you know what? Apparently, it's okay. I never thought I'd be back here doing this, ever. But you know what? I'm okay with it. I'm at peace with it. Can you see that? Uh, last Wednesday was a perfect beginning for what I want to talk about because one of the things you deal with as a minister is you got to talk about things you're not good at. You know, I'll tell you, this guy, there's a taco truck comes by where I work, and uh, the guy gave me bad change a couple times, you know. The last time really made me mad. And he just looked at me funny, and it made me feel like he did it on purpose. You know, he probably did. It was just a mistake. And I was, boy, I just, I didn't buy anything for like six weeks or two months or something from him. Another day I'm at work, and God spoke to me. God made me so mad. You know, you think you want God to speak. You don't want God to speak to you. He's not going to tell you you're a great kid. He's going to, you know, he read it. God said, you're holding a grudge against that guy over a dollar. Oh, it was so humiliating to have to walk back out there and buy my lunch the other day. But I did it. I just know now not to give him extra change. I go with what I need to pay and that's it. Okay? He didn't say I had to trust him. He just said I had to forgive him. <laughs> okay? And I just don't, I, in my life, I've been blessed with, to be around men of God that uh, it's the fellowship. We're fellows in a ship. And I don't associate with people that aren't like that. And, buddy, we're, none of us are it. We are all a part of it. Okay? And I got to tell you like, about Mike over there. You don't know this. When I first walked in here, Mike prophesied to me back in November. I liked Mike. He just looks like the kind of guy I'd want to hang around, okay? Every time I got around him, I got mad. Oh, man, I just, it just drove me up the way. It was, I, I'd get around. It's like being around my wife. It just make me mad. <laughs> and I got frustrated, and I kid you not, I sat there and I told my wife, I said, I, said, I want to like him, I said, but I, but I can't. I said, the guy is in the way. That's what I told her, isn't it? So a few weeks ago, I see Mike sitting out there. I noticed he hadn't been playing the bass. And I walk up there and I say, what's the deal? You give that up? You know what he said? Uh, am I not supposed to share this? Is that okay? All right. I didn't ask beforehand. You didn't know this, did you? <laughs> he said, the Holy Ghost told me to get out of the way. Okay, see, I just think different than y'all. You know, like when that night you put that, or that day you put that line up there with all the scars in his face, I like to jump through the roof. That, Man, I know when you go in a village and the dog that's got the most scars on his face, the, that's the one that's going to feed you. And for that man to sit there and say that, that he heard from God, it wasn't what you want to hear. It was a humbling thing. And for him to be obedient, see, I went from being having trouble like that dude went, in my estimation. He is high on my list. And you know, we were talking about diamonds and gold and things. You ever heard anybody going to the beach and finding a vein of gold? Going to the peaceful waters and pulling out a diamond? No, you find them in rocks and you got to dig for them. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to Friday night because there's a vein of gold in that man. There's a whole bunch of rock around it, no doubt, okay? Just like all the rest of us. And, and, and the thing that we got to do with each other is we've got to be patient. And we've got to find what is that thing God's put in each of us and form a team. And you know what? When I, when I got the goods and when I'm the guy that's got the, you know what? Let's use it. But when it's on Alex, you know what? i got to know 
man, I need to step back and back him and help him. Amen. And I've been a part of that with people. You know, I've been in a thing where we had really strong teams and, and everybody had different giftings. And when you can get the humility to back and, and let somebody else be the leader and somebody else have the attention and somebody else have the glory, it is just amazing what God can do. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you. I'm just telling you, from now on, here, at my house, at my, anywhere, you're a trainee, okay? I've done this with people before. I've done it with people that have been in ministry for 10, 15 years, okay? I'm not new at this. It don't mean i got to be nice to you, but it'll be a little easier now that we got these other problems taken care of. <laughs> I just feel better all the time. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Sunday. I've been waiting for this because I've been told for a long time, you know, I'm too hard on people and I'm this and I'm that, you know. I don't believe any, any man on earth can be harder than God. He has got some greater attributes and maybe more loving and merciful, and all that, but, you know, he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will know why I enter the kingdom of heaven. There is a standard. And starting with the humility last Wednesday and Sunday, begin to talk about suffering. That is not preached in America. And it is inseparable from the gospel. Throw out all the parts about Jesus suffering. The guy didn't have a house. He walked everywhere. He was hungry. He fasted. I mean, very there's a handful of times you could even guess that he was comfortable in the time he lived here on earth. Uh, James 1, start verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word implanted in you which can save you. I like the King James here. Engrafted word. He's just flat out. All this stuff is written to the church. All this stuff is written to believers. That Ephesians 4, that's it. The, the little bit of staff that's here and the purpose of this place is to equip you. My job now for the rest of my life is to teach people how to minister. Okay. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. I had a grandfather that was a nut. Man, that guy could grow anything. And I'm telling you, if, if he was alive today, he'd probably be in jail for the stuff he did to his trees. Because every time you went over there, there was another limb sawn off and tar packed on it. And he was always up a ladder. But he showed me when I was a little boy, he, would, he liked walnuts. And so he grafted walnuts into his pecan trees. So he could get more walnuts. Now, he wasn't going to the store and buy them. You can forget that junk. You know, I think I inherited some of that from him, that hard-headedness. And, and, you know, and I never learned it from him, but when we got to Mexico, the brothers, that's how the oranges were grown. And it is not a pleasant process. It is, you take a really sharp knife, and you make an incision, and you insert another piece that's trimmed like too thick, and then you got to either pack it with wax or... Or some, if it's a small thing, you can just tear up a little Walmart sack and wrap it. You got to keep the air out of it. And you let that thing go. If you get the air out of it, let it go for a few weeks, the bark will seal back up around it, and that thing will just take off. So, what's he saying to us? Clean your life up, get rid of the garbage in you. That's an ongoing, as long as you're living, that's going to be happening. And receive with meekness. You know, I've. At times I've been mad to be here because, you know, Brother Al can probably testify to this. When you live outside of America long enough, a lot of this cultural stuff you lose. And there's some things, and we'll talk about them, that make sense to you that are ungodly. And they don't work in the kingdom of God. I remember years ago, you know, uh, I, man just read and studied and prayed diligently and I would hear people talking about what they were going to do in, in ministry and things and I remember one time this guy got up to do something and, and I, I went to a fellow I was working at the time and said this guy's going to fail 
And he said, why do you say that? And I said, because the Bible says this, this, and this. And he said, he's going to do this, this, and this. And those things aren't compatible. And I've heard that some of the things that some of you have said. I've heard talk about how you intend to do things or plans you got. And, you know, one of the word studies you should do, this is homework. And I want to encourage you, listen, I might get to preach next year. I'm going to pick wherever I stop, however far I get tonight, I'm picking it up. This is the rest of my life. I'm, this, I'm going to talk about this, and I'm not going to leave anything out. We're just going to walk through it, so I encourage you. Take your notes. You know, maybe one of these days we'll get it put up in a pretty book or something when we get it all together. But, you know, take notes. Set them somewhere where you can keep up with it. There's a few messages I have that I've heard other people preach. I've been carrying around in my Bible for the last decade. Okay? Hang on to it. Because some of you are going to get into, you know, some of you are in ministries now, and some of you are going to get into them later. And I'm telling you, you can use this stuff. It did not come easy. It does not come easy, does it, Matt? You know, just because you become a pastor don't mean your truck's going to run right. Does it? But God's still with us. Receive with meekness. You've got to accept that there's some things you don't know. And, and you've got to humble yourself and be meek to receive it. And the way it's going to come is with a knife. The Word of God is sharp and quick. So what God's planning on doing with you through me, cut you open, stick some stuff in that can graft and grow in you, and you know what the Bible says? It'll save your soul. I've had to go over to Hebrews chapter 5. I've just never, I've, I've enjoyed, you know I got to meet John Wayne when I was a kid. I got to meet Bruce Jenner right after he won the decathlon. I got to meet a bunch of pro football players back then, you know, half of whom are dead now. But in ministry, I've got to meet a lot of the people whose books you own. I've got to be in their churches. I've got to be in their revivals. I've got to minister with them. And I just don't see why anybody should be impressed with a man. So that's why I don't ever mention their names. Because you would take them, you might worship what they say, or you may despise them because of who you think they are. That's not the point. I've had a chance to sit with those guys and ask them just one-on-one the questions. It is just, it's been cool. And I'm going to give it to you. It's going to help you. This is not easy. I told you when uh, a few, what was it, a few weeks ago, I told you, man, this, this thing's fixing change for you. It's going to be tough. Doesn't mean God's not in it. Hebrews chapter 5. I guess I should get over there. I'm running my mouth. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. What would you just talk about? Cleaning out moral filth. Receiving the word. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What I will not do is this. I'm not going to write a book for you. And if you take what I say, or anybody else in here for that matter, for head knowledge to go beat up other people with, you deserve what's going to happen to you. The way it works is you use it. I just, I love, I got a job that, I mean, I just, I get to do everything. And when you use tools, whenever a tool is working right, there's a special feel to it. There's a certain sound. Like, I got my grandfather's sharpening stone. And, you know, every knife, every type of knife and thickness of blade's got a little different angle on it. And I'll sit down like, I'll sit down here one evening and I'll get all the knives in the house out and I'll sharpen them. And woe to the person that uses them next. People come over to our house, grab a knife, next thing you know they're bleeding, running to the bathroom. Okay? They're sharp. Okay? But when, there's, when you're sharpening a knife, when you get that angle just right and you get that thing going, man, it just it gets a drag to it. It makes a different sound. Okay? And nobody can teach you that. You got to get some knives and scratch them and figure it out for yourself. You can talk about it. And you can... Spiritual things are that way. Ministry is that way. 
I'm one of these kind of people. I like to read and study and dream about and think about and do it in my mind a thousand times. Because I want it, Whenever I do anything, I want it to be perfect the first time, and it never is. It just drives me nuts. Okay? You're going to make a lot of mistakes. Most often, you will do the wrong thing the first time a situation presents itself. The first time a demon-possessed person just goes berserk on you, you're probably going to mess up and do the wrong thing. Yeah. Get over it. Uh, since the resurrection of Christ, have we been stoning folks for not getting it right? No. There's simple corrections in there. The gifts and things that you see manifesting in this body, how many times have you heard teachings on them? I haven't heard hardly any. I've heard vague comments about scriptural references just to value, you know, for people that don't understand. Hey, one, this is what, it's in the Bible. That's all I've heard. But no matter how much you observe it, how much you're around it, you can't do it. And when you start doing it, you're probably going to get a little overzealous and make them say, guess what? Big deal. You're not going to bleed getting it fixed. You know, I'm just telling you, for me, uh, this probably goes in another segment, but I'll just tell you, to me, it's easier to minister to a woman than as a man because women are more emotional and they're more interested in uh, being maintained. Does that sound good? Does that sound politically correct? A woman wants to be fixed. Men are hard-headed, hard-hearted, and don't want anybody to tell them what to do. So it's just naturally easier to minister to a woman. It's easier to get her to respond to the Holy Ghost and things of God than it is a man. Now, that being said, if you're a man, okay, look, thank God we're all attracted to different kinds of people, okay? But, I mean, one of the things that goes on is if you're a man and a woman's up there, and, and you start, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta separate, you gotta realize, look, is this God or do I just wanna talk to her? And that is, that's a, that is a natural, that's a thing that's gotta be dealt with in you. And man, it's scary sometimes. I never wanna be an offense in that. I never wanna be one of those stories where people say, you know, this guy come up and told me all that, he's just lying out of his teeth. I wanna be right. And I believe God expects us to do things out of a pure heart, but it comes to the point where you have to do it. You have to witness. You have to speak. You have to go on, you know, yeah, you could be wrong. The trick is learning how to not be. You don't have to be perfect. You have to be obedient, right? It's fun. It's fun when you go up and tell somebody they're fixing to have a baby and they don't know yet. It's fun watching them scratch their head. The other day we were sitting over at the house and Larissa and Suzanne and I were talking about something about messing with people's minds. I'm not going to embarrass you. And Larissa kind of took something as a challenge and she said, what do you mean? And she turned to me and she said, tell me something about me. And I just looked at her and I made a couple comments and she asked for a couple of clarifications and I gave them to her. And all of a sudden she got real quiet and she said, well, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Okay. I'm not playing, okay? Just because you see something doesn't mean you have to say it. But it does help you deal with things. I remember uh, being in Mexico, man, we used to have a church, you know, there was a time I was going to 108 villages, services, home meetings, Bible studies, and visits. Man, you know, busy. There was no time for sleep. You know, everything. We we didn't eat so we could put money in the gas tank. That's it. We just loved it. Don't regret one minute of it. Had a blast. There's times it'll be like that. I don't even remember why I was telling you that now, but anyway. Let's go to Psalm chapter 25. I've never in my life not been in a hurry doing this. This is so much fun. Can you tell I'm relaxed? I'm at peace. I love this. I, I, this is on the wall back there. So you ought to be able to remember it. <laughs> Psalm chapter 25. I'm going to have to get moving. We ain't even got to the introduction yet. Psalm chapter 25. Man, this Bible here is so hard to use. I mean, I'll 
I'll get used to it. Psalm 25, verse 4. Show me huh, your ways. Oh, Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Whose way is it? His. Everything in us is contrary to Him. The only thing we got heading us that way, we're making His image and likeness, and we got a big hole in the middle of us that only He can fill and, and make work right. Okay? And so it is a battle the whole way. Psalm 138, verse 6. We were talking about going on a mission trip. I decided I'm not going to do any missions trips. I'm going to do ministry trips. More fun. Psalm 138. Verse 6. Though the Lord is on high, He looks upon the lowly, the proud He knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. We had something really bad happen last week. My dog bit somebody for the second time. I thought everything was over. No, the devil's got to get my dog too, you know. So the phone rings, and I mean, just mayhem. And I don't know what it is about me. You know, that night we were, we were sitting there, and I looked over at Judy, and she's just laying in the bed going. And you know she's going to say something. You just, I should have left. I should have walked outside, done something else till she went to sleep. I had to ask her. What? And my loving wife looks over at me and she says, I'm going to tell him. She said, I don't understand how you can be such a jerk most of the time. But when something bad happens, you know exactly what to do. I don't either. I just know. I, I just, in the midst of trouble, that's where I know God is. Though I dwell in the midst of trouble, apparently David having some of the same troubles I do. Some of that trouble self-inflicted. Though I dwell in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Even when I'm a jerk, it keeps me alive for some reason. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes, and with your right hand, you will save me. Boy, I'll tell you one of the most aggravating things in my life. When I'm heading to this country, I'm heading to that country, I'm going to think, Ugh, you people that would sit there and say, we're with you, brother. No, you ain't. We're behind you, brother. About 2,000 miles. Though I dwell in the midst of the trouble, you preserve me. What does it say? With your right hand, you save me. What does that mean? You've got to be there. You're not with me. You're not behind me. He's with me. And in ministry, it does not matter sometimes what's going on in your marriage. It does not matter sometimes what's going on in your body. It does not matter sometimes what's going on in your house. It don't matter most of the time what's in your checking account. And it seldom matters what you got in your pocket. What, what did Jesus, what, I'm, I'm thinking here. Those guys in Acts didn't win the lottery. They just oversaw one of the greatest moves of God on earth up until that day. 3,000 people get saved, they go to the temple to pray, and what, they ain't got a dime to give a poor man. You see, our, one of our problems comes out of our culture is that What you see as someone's need is what you believe in. And sadly, most of us believe more in money because that's the most obvious. You think, well, if they just had money, I'd fix everything. I won't. Some of you believe in America. You just believe, well, if, that, if they weren't in Russia and they were here, everything would be okay. They hadn't given some money. Man, 
Who's your God? They said, silver and gold have we none. But you know what? Won't you just get up and take a walk? That's fun. It's scary praying for sick people. I can't remember how many of them I sat there and watched die. I got where I wouldn't touch them. I thought I was killing them. I'm not kidding, man. I got there one day. I, I went to pray for this. I don't know. Maybe somebody was, I don't remember. Something serious. Something I didn't want. And I just stuck my hand up there. Oh, Lord, would you please touch this woman? Once again, God spoke to me. He said, you touch her, and then I'll touch her. God, I got a pretty good record about the last 10 of them have died. You know, I don't want to kill her. You're going to deal with disappointment. Get over it. I'll never forget we were in a, we were in Africa. My wife's over here. She's about dead. Got a tumor like a volleyball getting cut out. You know, ultimate failure in my life. We were at a conference, a bunch of big shots. As a matter of fact, I saw one of them on a billboard the other day. He's going to be here in Houston. And me and one of my coworkers there, we were the lowest level ministers in the whole place. You know, we were just basically bodyguards. And I don't know what, well, I don't know what, I missed it somehow, but I'm telling you, these guys at this whole conference, man, there would be thousands of people in the service. We'd start in the morning and just build all the way up in the night. There'd be thousands of people in there. And these guys would all get up and preach, and they would call me and this other fellow up and say, y'all, y'all do the, I mean, they would do all the preaching and the altar call, and then they would just turn us loose praying for everybody. Man, it's fun seeing 250 people give their lives to Jesus at once. It's fun seeing people instantly healed in front of you. But it doesn't start. Not often the first time you try it. The anointing is something you got to seek. It's something that's going to cost you. I'm not going to go there, but Hebrews 5 through 8. Jesus, perfect Son of God, learned obedience through what? The things that He suffered. And so we got humility and we got suffering. That's been a whole week going up to here to get this started, right? Yeah. Now, I remember being in school and they started, it was in English, they were teaching us about interrogative questions, right? Who, what, when, how, where, why? I think the Bible, didn't God say something about us being backwards people? I've been, Eric told me when I got here, told me back in January, he said, look, get some, start getting some stuff together. And this is what was kind of in my heart to do. And I'm telling you what, I've been looking at it for six months. Nothing. I got pages and pages of stuff, and I just nothing. And I was sitting there the other day, and uh, I was coming out of this little trial I was going through, and I was looking at that list of words because I noticed every time I've ever seen or heard this dealt with, the only thing anybody wants to know is how. How do you get a sick person healed? How do you get somebody saved? How do you build? How do you do this? How do you do that? You ever heard the word Methodist? Methodism, it's a way of doing something. And I got to thinking about it. And I looked at the last word on that list was why. And I flipped that thing around and put that down first. And I'm telling you, it was like you blew the dam. I mean, the world changed for me. Because... Well, when Dr. Cho, when the, when the cell church exploded... People, people, ever ministers from all over the world made the pilgrimage over to Mecca to see. All they want to know is how. Now you got cell churches everywhere. Who else has got a church of a hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand people? What are they, eight hundred or something now? Okay. Who else has that worked for? We went to Brownsville, the revival down there, and I heard Pastor Kilpatrick get up. And he, he would tell the people there'd be thousands of people in there, people from all over the world coming to hear this, and he would say, "Look, don't try this at home." It sounded arrogant. But it wasn't. Because what God always wants to do is a unique work. Amen. What God wants to do here 
will not be exactly like Korea or Nigeria or South America or Toronto or anywhere else on earth. He wants to do a unique work. He wants to do something special. And it'll be, there may be some similarities, but the way everyone I've ever been around got it, they got on their knees, they got on their face, they sought God till he came. And we'll cut that trail again in a minute. It's hard. You don't recognize it when it happens. Very few most of the time when something God does something, if you figure it out in the next three days, you're doing good. It should be that way. I heard someone say one time, if you can explain everything about your spiritual life right now, you are a pitiful human being. If you don't have some unanswered questions, you're not even trying. Yeah. Ooh, that got quiet. Okay, let's see. <laughs> I remember years ago picking up a book by Watchman Nee. Have you ever heard of him? There's a statement I've never been able to forget that I read him say, or that he wrote. He said, we cannot serve Christ according to the principles of Satan. I don't suppose I've seen a better example on earth than here in Houston. I remember uh, we, we would come through here the last 20 years, and, and I remember places I would go fishing in pastures are now subdivisions, and I can't find the ponds anymore. They kill my fish. You, here you can see nothing grows. A community is built. It has all the stores, has all the houses, all the schools. They open the gates and things up and running in a year or two. And like you talked about the other day. Oh, brother, we just passed out pamphlets and 2,000 people showed up. Mm. Worthless. Absolutely worthless in the sight of God, worthless to heaven, worthless to man, worthless to the community. It is death. I've watched good, solid people get a vision, go work in a place for 30 years and just have what's in this place tonight. And another guy come to town, pass out flyers, and have 3,000 people the first Sunday. Something's wrong. If it comes that easy, I don't want it. I don't want to be near it. God doesn't do things that way. I think it was Psalm 127, 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. You know, we talk about the prophets. I, I hear people all the time, I've studied this, and I don't understand. I've never heard anybody talk about this. Everybody thinks Elijah just walked by and patted Elisha on the back, and they just took off, and it was all, get out of here, old man. No. There's a period, they believe, between 15 and 25 years that those two guys walked together that there's not a word written about. It was not overnight. It took some time. If it took you 15 years from today to get your first miracle, I, I'm, I don't imagine anybody would want to sign up for that. How long is it going to take? Who defines? Who, you know, you, I think everybody I've heard, I've, I've listened to some of us pray. We've all got in our mind an idea of success. Who put it there? Is it a vision from God or is it your own idea? Or is it just something that's kind of you've absorbed out of the culture we're in? This would validate the church. This would validate the work. This would be acceptable to men. I don't want to be acceptable to men. The Bible says, study, show yourself approved unto God. That's who we're working for. You know, people sit there and say, well, brother, you don't have faith. Or you don't. Hmm. Well, what about Joseph? Did he have faith? What was it, 17 years of misery? Unjust? What about Jeremiah? I like that guy. You know, hey dude, tell you what, wouldn't kill you, or you can go stand in that well. You know what? That well looks like an awful fine place to live to me. I'll take that hole in the ground, mud up to my knees. At least for a minute, there'll be something to drink till I mess it up. 
See how we think? It's just wrong. I remember hearing Paul Washer speak to a group of Bible school students. I mean, you talk about people think they got it together. It's Bible school students. They can debate and argue and prove anything. And what he got up and said, you know, he said, I feel sorry for y'all. He said, because you're, you're so wrong about so many things. We're wrong about a lot of stuff. I don't even think I'm right about all of it, okay? I don't even... I, it's neat. We got so many cultures represented in this place. We ought to open our eyes to some of the stuff going on around us. We ought to be able to see better because of it. But it's just easier to just shut it out and reject it instead of having to deal with it. So what does God want to do? Until it becomes a part of it. You should study the word reasoning. Is there a place in the Bible where it's any good? Reasoning of the heart, reasoning of the mind, reasoning amongst yourselves. It sounds good. You hear a lot of people come, you start talking about doing ministry and things, and, and they, boy, they explain it, it just sounds wonderful. But it just doesn't work. And then it makes everybody leery, and you stand back, man, I don't know what, did God fail? Never. It's never him. It's never his fault. What about humanism? Are you motivated to ministry because of some needs you see? Is, could, could, a, could an unsaved person join the Peace Corps for the same reason? What's the difference? What does it take to make a difference? One of the, one of the greatest detriments and obstacles we have as, as Americans is our freedom. I hate to say that, but it's true. The idea that we have rights is killing the church because we are in a kingdom. I keep saying this. Nobody wants to listen. The devil doesn't have a kingdom. He's got some territory on this earth. You are delivered from the power of darkness, not from the kingdom of darkness, the power of darkness into the kingdom of the dear son. Quit giving him more credit than he deserves. He is not equal. Comparing, you know, we got this idea that, that Jesus and Satan are standing here and they're like, they're both six feet tall. No. Jesus is, and the devil's like a flea. He's nothing. I get mad at myself. Sometimes I go to write Satan and put a big S on it. I hate that. He doesn't deserve it. I'll scratch it out and do it over. It's not even nowhere the same. We've, we've got more faith in what's erroneous than we do in the truth. And it's killing us. It's stopping the work God wants us to do. Man, you've got to believe. When you, face, when you step into a place where you are alone and God's the only thing that's going to be there to back you, you better believe He's big. Amen. You will not succeed. You better believe He's powerful. I can't name a disease that I have not seen healed. I love laying my hands on people. I used to see them die. You know what? Got to the point where more of them was living than was dying. And there's times, there's just these times, there's these veins that, that God just begins to open up. And I mean, it's like all you got to do is be there. And it happens. And it's not for a man to get the credit, it's for God to get the glory. I'm telling you, I've seen things that you couldn't create, recreate with special effects in Hollywood today. We were in, a, we were in some services and they had those uh, plastic chairs, you know, like you have out in the yard. And there was this guy up there and he was sitting there and he, he almost seemed like a clown. I mean, I was scared for him. Oh, he'd say, here it comes, do you hear it? here comes the Holy Ghost. And he would bring his hand through like that, whichever way he said, hey, I'm not kidding, I, I couldn't figure it out. It was driving me up the wall. Why can't I see this? He'd bring his hand this way or this way or that way or this. Whatever he did, those thousands of chairs in that building would start flipping. It's like there wasn't even anybody over there and chairs were just flipping over. It's like somebody just running through and knocking them down. I've seen the Holy Ghost. Listen, we've been in places, thousands of people packed up in there and you'd step up to the front of them, okay? And you'd go to put your hand on the first one 
And I'm telling you, you could take off running as fast as you wanted to, and you couldn't get to the back before the last one hit the floor. Sometimes it's like that, you know, that, that goo the cops got that they shoot and just about sticks you up and you can't. What was that on Incredibles, too? They remember that thing? You got shot with all in a little tar ball and you just, you just stuck. Man, I've seen things. And you, you step into a crowd and start praying. And, and I mean, next thing you know, you're just, you're just stuck. You're so buried in bodies. You can't touch anybody. You're just stuck until enough people move and you can get your feet out and walk away. It's fun. I had a pastor friend. We went to Africa on a trip. And, and you know, he's nobody. He's, he's not a name that you've ever heard. And he told me, he said, Jay, he said, we were over there in Africa. And I said, and I'm just up there, you know, and these guys called me. And they, they said, hey, look, we want you to pray for people to get the Holy Ghost. And he, he was scared to death. Thousands of people. He said, I've never done this in my life in a big setting. It's always like one person, you know. What do you do? See, most of the world isn't like America. Most of the world doesn't care what your name is. If they see one of these in your hand, they're going to give you a shot. They're going to grab your hand and stick it on their head and see what happens. And this guy said, Jay, said, I got up there. I was scared to death. And he said, I just asked him, who out there wants to receive the Holy Ghost? They, they could not get them to the altar, so many thousands of people out there. And he said, hundreds of hands went up. And he's just sitting there shaking and just scared to death. You understand how it feels? And he said, I just raised my hand and started praying. And I mean, he said that place just erupted into tongues. He said he's never in his life, in his ministry, he's been pastoring for 40 years, never seen anything else like it in his whole life. Do you think it matters? You know, the day my wife, we, we had to give in. I, the worst defeat of my life. She had to have a tumor cut out of her. Thank God it wasn't cancer. The next day, a black woman in Africa walks up to me, got the exact same thing, exact same place. Like, I mean, you, you can't understand insignificant. You can't understand. I mean, I was trying to run. I was like, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't get away. And I'm just about to cry. I said, look, look, like you got the wrong guy. Go over to that fellow over there. Go to, try anybody else. I, I have, this thing beat me. I have tried for 22 years. To get, I failed. I've got more fasting, praying, fighting, working, hating this thing, and anybody in this place, and it beat me. Go somewhere else, and she wouldn't. God, you talk about humiliating. I mean, I, I just felt like the devil had me on display for a failure. I couldn't get her to go away, so I prayed for her. Next morning, she comes back. Guess what? Tumor's gone. Thank you, Jesus. I can't tell you what it's like the first time you lay hands on somebody in a wheelchair and they get up and walk off. Because I didn't see it. It made me so mad. I felt so ripped off. I felt like God let me down. I've been wanting this so long. Me and a guy walked down the aisle one day, and one night, Muncie, Indiana, never forget it. And there's a guy there in a wheelchair, and we laid hands on him. And there's a whole bunch more people to pray for us. You just give them, give them a minute and go. We made the burger run that night, get back to the hotel. And everybody's talking about this guy getting out of his wheelchair and walking. I'm like, man, I wish I'd have seen that. And they said, idiot, you the one prayed for him. What? They said, yeah, right after y'all stepped past chair, he took off the other way. <laughs> oh! <laughs> That's what God wants to do with you. Amen. You remember in the Old Testament? Them guys were prophesying. You remember them folks coming there? Oh, man, we need to shut this down. What did Moses say? Oh, to God that all his people were prophets. And now in this Newer Testament, that's exactly what he's put in. That we are all the ministers. Paul said it clearly. We're all the ministers. I tell you what, let's jump on down here. I want to get something. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. Okay, thanks to Eric covering all that ground last Wednesday and Sunday and him and Mike covering it. We're, we're, okay, we're through the introduction now. That's where I want to start. You ready to start? Yeah. That don't mean I'm going to keep here till midnight. I just, this is where I'm going to start. Matthew chapter 4. 
I love this. Verse 1. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Isn't that, wasn't that cruel? I loved it Sunday morning. Eric had to talk about steak. Well, my wife heard from God because she got off work early. And I was walking. I, I left prayer, walked back over. I was walking the driveway. I heard this little horn coming up the street. And then I was sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm going to ask Judy if she wants a steak for lunch. This is before service. She pulls up. Guess what? I got off early and went to the store. Look here, boy. Big old, oh, yes, ribeyes. They were good. I Matthew, mean, what you talk about food on a Sunday morning, people squirm worse than you talking about sin. <laughs> they will. Talk about fried chicken, be with a. <laughs> you talk about sin, they go to sleep. But I was ready. He didn't get me. My steak was waiting at the house. Thank you, Jesus. He was hungry. It just don't have the same effect on Wednesday night, does it? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, Do not put your, the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him. Angels came and attended him. You probably already know this. If you don't, you're going to study it on your own. Rhema and Logos. I love this. A lot of the great preachers of our time have done us a great disservice with their little quips. Quips don't work on the devil. You know, that's just a little sharp, pointed stab at him. And you can, you know, I love, I'm a man. I like reducing things just the simplest form. So I go through something, I like to come up with some really good way to say it. That's success to me. Okay? Jesus, smartest guy ever. He's got the devil here. You know, he could have said, you know, like when we were in school, you know, I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? Wouldn't work. He said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but every word, every rhema that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now I want to ask you, why do you want to be involved in ministry? Well, you might say, you don't. Well, I don't care. <laughs> you are. It's God's plan for you to be involved in ministry. And right now, to the ministry of this church, the ministry of this body. Eric called me one day and said, Jay, he said, man, you need to get out of that place. You don't need to be working where you are. And I said, you know what? This is not permanent. I said, I am there to be a witness. Guess what happened? Y'all might have seen it on the news. A guy comes in there in our shop and works. I really like this guy. Tell him, what it, tell him about Jesus. Quote the Bible to him. So, a couple weeks ago, had a problem, they called him back out there, and he didn't show up, it was another guy. And we're going on, I asked the guy, I said, hey man, where's so-and-so? And he, he kind of gave me a funny look. And he, these guys, you know, I mean, we're men, we're thinking just right there, get it, you know. And he gave me this funny look and waited till everybody else walked off, and he said, he's in jail. I said, what? They said, yeah, a couple days after he was here the last time, he got a phone call, his wife was cheating on some guy, and, and went home, shot her. He has not come to service. He won't, probably won't be here Friday night. You don't run into those kind of people at church. You know, 
My dog, it seems like everything in the world, I'm losing my dog here. Because he can't, he just wants to taste everybody. It's gone beyond licking. You know? God. And in all this mayhem and all the sadness and all the turmoil around, guess what? Running into somebody's thinking about killing herself. And see, if my dog wouldn't have bit this person, never would have been there. Who knows? I don't know if the thing's averted. All I know is didn't happen that day. That's all you can do. And pray. God has got you. I'll tell you what, Curtis, I doubt you and I are going to see run into the same two people tomorrow anywhere. God needs you, brother. He needs you to have a word. He needs you to be sensitive. He needs you to be ready. I'm telling you, it's amazing the way God will use you. Sometimes give you a funny way of saying things. I knew a man, he was on the, he was on the uh, streets of Indianapolis witnessing the people. He said he walked up to a guy and he said he never in his life said this to anybody. But he looked at a fellow and he said, Mr., you need to surrender. <laughs> the guy had three federal warrants out for his arrest. He listened. Guy got born again. Pastor took him to jail. <laughs> he gets sentenced to, I don't remember how many years in prison it was. Pastor goes and visits him all the time. Teaches him the word of God. And one day the Holy Ghost speaks to the pastor and says, you know what? It's time for that boy to get out of there. He goes down there and tells him, son, it's time for you to get out of here. And he said, well, you idiot, you're the one who brought me in here. They're not going to let me go for five more years. He said, no, God wants you out of here. They prayed. Guess what? They called him up. His dad got convicted with him. Same exact deal. They called the son up. He's a grown man. He's over 18. They called him somewhere in his 20s. They called him out, let him go on probation, and left his daddy in prison to rot. You never know. You never know. It matters. Man, what is there better than to let God use you? And what's really neat is, see, Jesus is not only saying this of Ramah, he's doing it. You're not going to live by bread alone with every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He, boy, he was rubbing the devil's nose in it right there. You know, I, got a, uh, I was born, you don't know this, I'm so old. I was born before they invented plastic. And I guess, I don't know, we were kids. Yeah, you know. The reason I'm telling you that is the fact that I got an old cigar box. When I was a kid, that's what you put everything. I don't know who smoked all the cigars. But somehow we got those boxes. And I got a cigar box full of letters that she wrote me. When someone's speaking to you, it's like Rhema. You hear it. It's right there. When somebody writes something, it's called Logos. The neat thing about written is, man, that's the way the Bible is. I can read the words of Paul today. I've never heard him speak. I can read his words. Jesus, hear him sometimes. Sometimes not as much as I like, sometimes more than I want to. But the written word passes time. You know? There's some young'uns in here. It's kind of selected companions, looks like. And when you can't be with them, a note is nice. But man, you just want to be, you, you know, you know that thing you wrote? You want to hear them say it, you know? There's just something special and powerful about it, right? One of the things that is critical in ministry is not doing anything without Rhema. Man, I would have died where I was unless God spoke. There was a thousand times I wanted to quit. There was a thousand times I wanted to go and wouldn't because he hadn't said to yet. And there was a thousand times I wanted to quit and wouldn't because he didn't tell me to. And what I believe probably kills more ministry, more churches, more ministers than anything. It's just impatience, immaturity, inability to wait on God. There is, man, I'm just, I am, man, you just don't know what content is. When you're in the will of God, when you know 
you know what? To the best of your ability, you're in the right place doing the right thing at the right time. You know what that means? That means that you're going to be, the next opportunity, the next door God's got for you, you're just going to walk right up to it. You're going to be there. You're not going to miss an opportunity. Man does not live by bread alone. So you've got to get the Word of God. I remember hearing T.L. Osborne preach one day, and man, he, God, he laid it on him there, Bethany. He came out, walked around, played the piano a little bit, and got up. You know, and I, I mean, just everybody's expecting him to just sledgehammer this place. And he gets up there and says, you know what? He said, I have no idea why I'm here tonight. He said, you people don't need me. You're not interested in anything i got to say. You're letting the world go to hell. Oh, man, it was rough. You know, you read about those guys. And, and back, uh, Wesley, some of the great ministers in history, their first run at it was just absolute failure. I love, I remember, you know, you, I'm sure y'all heard of Garth Brooks. I love this story. Garth Brooks got a big old send-off from his hometown, went to Nashville, like to starve to death. He was broke, humiliated, couldn't get a, nothing, couldn't even get a job to work. He snuck back home, I think it was somewhere up in Oklahoma, and hid out in a house for two weeks because he was so ashamed, didn't want anybody to see him because he failed. Well, now it's a different story, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know, man. Been married a couple times. I don't know if that's a good man. It's not always going to work out how you think. But God is always going to be with you. You see, we, we believe. See, God is trying to prove to us. And, and, you know, one of these days, my next step is Deuteronomy 8. Affliction. He's going to let us go through it. You know what? That stinking green truck out there, that stinking white truck out there, you know what? He knows. And the answer's coming. We need a rhema. God, I tell you, it was so neat last year. God spoke to me this month, last year, and said, Zay, the brook is going to dry up. And I'm glad I listened. And, you know, all my life, God's dealt with me in certain ways and, and spoken to me and stuff. But for nearly a year now, I'm not kidding you, I've, I've been stopped up, not just that way. I, I, told, I called a guy I knew over in Louisiana, I told him, man, I said, got these kidney stones big as marbles. And, and he said, well, I said, your flow is stopped up. No joke, man. <laughs> But it was a physical symptom of a spiritual problem. And when that got taken away, this is the way I'm used to. God speaking to me and showing me stuff and sharing it. And you know what? For the last year, it hadn't been that way. I've had to walk, and absolute strangers walk up and tell me what to do. And I've had to trust God that he was, that was the right. I just knew. I just knew it was right. And we were talking the other day. You know, had... Had we gone through what we've been through in the last year without God telling us anything, I probably would have killed myself, really. I would have thought, I have just, just so royally messed up that he's absolutely rejected me. But do you know what my wife was sitting there? She said, you know, I said, it's just so neat that the Holy Ghost told us every step of the way what to do and just walked us through it. And we're sitting here now on the other side of this thing just at perfect peace, perfect contentment, it's wonderful. I'm, I mean, it's, there's no telling what's going to happen next. I don't care. He brought us, he, you know, that old, that old song, I forgot who used to sing it. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. You know? And I'm just telling you, folks, man, I, I just, the longer I live, the more excited I am at how God leads me through life. He just, you know, there's some little surprises, but the big thing, and I never, you know, you hear this thing, people saying, well, I'm going to seek God and see what he wants to do in my life. Well, good luck with that. It didn't work for me. But down the road now, I see what he's done in my life, and so I can see where he's been leading me. And I'm telling you, it's just the funnest thing on earth. You know what you got? I'm excited for y'all. Y'all are buddy. You've been running around with your hair on fire and working like nuts stuff. And you know what? Get after it. 
have a blast. Give it all, man. One of the guys I worked with was talking to him one day. He said, hey, man, you want to go out and get something to eat or you want to rest? He said, man, we're going to rest in the grave. Let's go. <laughs> that became our little saying. You want to do this? No, rest in the grave. Come on. It's going to be worth it. Don't leave nothing. Burn it up. And you know what? I, I'm, I don't even, I can't even see, I just know. Regardless of what happens in the economy, regardless of what happens in the country, regardless of what happens in anything, God's going to use us. And we're going to have the success that he wants us to have, not what somebody else in town will say. Because all that matters when it's over is that we can stand before him and he says, well done. So I want to encourage you. Start taking this a little more seriously than you have. Start considering the witness you are, where you go to school, where you go to work, where, where you do everything, where you shop, you know, and be open. Man, I tell you, one night I walked in a, a grocery store, and the guys I worked with, we, we spoke to each other in about nine different languages. Not that we spoke, I mean, we'd speak two or three passably, but uh, we used words out of a lot of different languages. And I remember one night I walked in a grocery store in South Louisiana, and in German, to say Holy Ghost is Heiliger Geist. And I just, I walked in this grocery store and I just wanted to just scream it out. And I didn't do it. I thought, man, this. And you know what? I got back over there and the lady walked in front of me was German. Man, we'll never know what could have happened if I'd have just been obedient. <laughs> so take a chance. Amen. And I'm telling you, God's going to. You're going to step out there one day, and he's going to show up, and it's going to blow your mind. And it's going to make you hungry for more. Amen. But it's got to be what he wants. I never forget my mother. Boy, she's always just, why do you want me to do that? Why, 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 why? And sometimes, you know what her response to me was? Because I said so. Why should you do some of the things that God wants you to do? Because he said so. <laughs> I don't know whether it'll go well. You know, you can, you can open your mouth and get stoned to death. You can open your mouth and 3,000 people get saved. You can open your mouth and see little flames of fire jump out of people's hair. I don't know what's going to happen. But everybody that did it sure seemed to like it. Amen. You know, Jesus said, I have meat that you know not of to do the will of him that sent me yeah. and to finish it. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. You know when he said, give us this day our daily bread? You reckon he was saying, you know what, God, give me something to do today that'll be more satisfying to me than food. Something I can do that you want done. And I just dare you to try it. You know, I just dare you to talk to one person tomorrow. I dare you to invite one person Friday night. Amen. Boy, don't you hate it at the end of the show when they say, to be continued. <laughs> to be continued. Amen. Thank you, Eric.